Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Merry Christmas. Oh, that was sad. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, that is so much better. You're not getting away with that with me. I love Christmas. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you guys this morning. I'm so excited to be here. Um, just real quick, I'd also like to welcome everybody who's viewing online, watching our online uh, service. Can we just give them a hand? Thank you guys for tuning in today. It's great to be here. So we're in a series called Source of Light. Um, it's our Christmas series. We kicked it off last week, and I'm just really excited to be preaching this with you guys over this Christmas season. And so we've been talking about how Jesus came to establish a kingdom of light and how the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light and how are, both are very real and both exist and, um, and the differences between darkness and light. And so this morning as we kick off um, today, I wanna recap a little bit of last week because it's really important that we're all on the same page going into today and we really need to understand this, this kingdom principle to continue on with what we're talking about today. Um, but before I even get into that, I, I, made a, I talked about something last week that I needed to clarify or help you guys understand. I got a lot of texts, a lot of Facebook messages about this last week, so I wanna um, bring you guys up to speed. Um, the, the neighborhood that has all the Christmas lights in it in Wasilla, it's on Frontage Street, so you go like you're going to Sears, and then instead of taking a left, you take a right. So now that we got that taken care of, um, I talked last week about how my family likes to go look at Christmas lights, and there was a great neighborhood in Wasilla, and lo and behold, lots of emails and Facebook messages of, how do you get there? Where is it at? So there you go. So now onward and upward to other things. Um, yeah, so last week we started Source of Light, and we talked about the difference between darkness and, and light. And, and in re reality, darkness is this, this kingdom, this thing that is full of, of formlessness, emptiness, and, and, and is devoid of life. It has no purpose. Um, and we kind of got there understanding in Genesis chapter 1 when God creates the world Genesis 1 says that the earth was formless and void. It, it, it had no shape. It had no purpose to it. It was empty. There was no life. And it wasn't until the light showed up that all of a sudden things start to take place. When the light shows up, when God speaks, let there be light, all of a sudden that which was formless now takes form. That which was empty and void now is filled with life. We talked about last week how that light is Jesus. And not just figuratively, but actually. That in John 1.1, it talks about how in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That when God spoke that Word of light, that that was Jesus, and that Jesus was the driving force of creation. And that's important because we understand that when Jesus shows up, he brings light, and when he brings that light, that light brings form to our life. That 
light brings filling to our life, and that form brings purpose, and that filling is life. That apart from Jesus, there's, there's formlessness and emptiness. You see, in, 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 in Isaiah, this prophet, long time ago, he prophesied that this light was coming and that this light was going to change things. And we kicked off our series in Isaiah chapter 9, where it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And we talked about how these people had this promise to look forward to. This is a very famous passage. It's, it's kind of known as a Christmas passage. Isaiah goes on to say, For unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting God, Prince of Peace. And of, of his government and of his, of his peace, there will be no end. And we talked about how this was something that these people who were born into darkness, that were citizens of darkness, that they had this to look forward to. And we also talked about how all of us in this room, that we've all either are or have been citizens of darkness at one time or another, that, that it doesn't matter what, what your social economical status is, it doesn't matter gender, it doesn't matter race, it doesn't matter any of these things that all of us have this equal ground that we stand on, and that is this, that we've all been citizens of this darkness, this kingdom of darkness. And some of us are still there, and, and some of us not anymore, but we, we've all been there. And, and really, until Jesus came, there, no one was a citizen of light, and how we all have struggled and walked through that and walked into that. And then we talked about how Jesus came to establish his kingdom, that Jesus' mission in coming to earth oh so long ago, that his mission was not just a mission to come and die, but a mission to establish his kingdom, this kingdom of light that we talk so much about. And that, yes, he had to die on the cross to, to accomplish this, but his mission was to establish his kingdom. And it's, how, it's really important how we view the kingdom of God. Because if we view the kingdom of God as so many people do, a bunch of rules and regulations, a bunch of do's and do nots, if we view the kingdom of God that way, then sometimes that light gets lost in the mix. When, when I've talked to people and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I've said yes to Jesus, but I don't experience this light that you were talking about. I don't, I don't get it. It's because we're trying to earn God's kingdom. We're trying to just to do the right thing, to, to not do the wrong thing, to be the good Christian boy or to be the good Christian girl. And we try to turn God's kingdom, we boil it down of just doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. And, and, and the funny thing is, is we've been doing this for a very, very long time. 2,000 years ago, you know, there was a group of Christians and they were doing the same thing. They were having this argument. These, these, these people had, had, had come into the faith of Christ and they were living in Rome and they're just arguing and bickering with each other. It's a good thing we don't do that anymore. We've come a long ways. We've come a long ways. But for them, you know, they have the excuse. They, you know, Christ had just come and raised again from the dead. They didn't, you know, they didn't know. And so fortunately we know and we're better than them. But they're pointing fingers at each other. Oh, you're not really of the faith because you eat this type of meat. And they're like, no, you're not of the faith because you're bound to not eating this type of meat. And there's freedom. And they're just pointing fingers at each other. 
I, I can't experience that. You know, I'm never, I don't know what they're talking about. But apparently it's in the Bible, so. No, but we still do the same thing, right? Like we point these fingers and no, it's about doing this and not doing that and following all the rules. And, and they were doing the same thing. And so Paul had to write them this letter. And in the letter in Romans, he says in Romans chapter 14, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, guys. In other words, the kingdom of God is not just a matter of do's and do nots. Stop boiling it down to that. Then Paul says, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Is that what you experience when you experience the kingdom of God today? Because it's the same kingdom today as it was then. It's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. Last week we talked about how God's kingdom is kingdom of, of first of righteousness. And what is righteousness? Righteousness is standing right before the judge. Standing right before the king. Standing pure. Standing perfect before God. That this righteousness can only be received. That's the amazing thing about it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good deeds. It happens before you do anything right. It happens before you do anything good. Right? It's, it's we say yes to Jesus and boom, you are made righteous. Before you show up to church, before you read your Bible, before you pray, it's, you are made righteous. You can't earn it. That's the beautiful thing about it. So often as Christians, we spend our lives trying to earn this righteousness, right? Trying to do the do's and to not do the do nots. And that's our view, that's our understanding of how we try to earn righteousness. It cannot be earned. So we talked about that last week, and I want to continue this conversation now, this week, about God's kingdom, that his kingdom, that his kingdom is first a kingdom of righteousness, but then the next one is that his kingdom is a kingdom of peace, God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Are you experiencing peace in your life today? Like I talked about last week, I, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. The eggnog, the cookies, the lights, the movies. And every year, it's always my, my family's goal is to try to watch all of our Christmas movies before Christmas. We have a lot of them. And, uh, you know, it doesn't help that VeggieTales has like 19 Christmas movies that we have to watch with the kids. Uh, but we, we, we love to watch Christmas movies. I, I love them. Probably my all-time favorite Christmas movie ever is It's a Wonderful Life. Um, it's probably just one of my all-time favorite movies in general. But so we have this tradition of watching Christmas movies all throughout the Christmas season. And my wife and I, we, we like to start out the season, of course, with Elf. So that's, that's Thanksgiving night as we watch Elf. Okay, how many Elf fans, you know, on Thanksgiving night? Okay, how many watch Elf, like, outside of Christmas season? Shame on you, all right? Stop it. Save it. It's sacred only for the Christmas season. You're making it worse. Well, so one of the movies we like to start our Christmas season out with is a movie called uh, The Nativity. Has anybody seen The Nativity before? Yeah, it's not a super, super popular Christmas movie, but I will say if you've not seen it, go rent it, go download it, go watch it. It is a phenomenal uh, movie about Mary and Joseph and about the birth of Christ. And they, the, the movie does a fantastic job of just depicting really what was going on and what these people would have been experiencing in their lives. Um, and so my wife and I love to watch the movie Nativity. 
Um, but this year we watched it and we made a little bit of a mistake when we watched it. And that is we allowed my six-year-old and my seven-year-old to watch it with us. Um, now, it's not that it's like inappropriate for them or anything, but it's like an adult movie. And so there's some heady stuff and some scary stuff in it. And, and so I don't know if you've ever been there before watching a movie with kids, but it's like frame by frame, the questions start rolling and this freight train starts coming. And once it's rolling, it's not stopping, right? Quickly, I realized we will not be watching this movie. We'll just be talking through, answering every question of my son. Dad, how come they're doing this? Why are they doing that? Did they really have snakes back then? That's really crazy. Look at that camel. Is that a real camel? Is that a fake camel? How did they get that camel on set? I don't understand this. How, what's a virgin, Dad? I don't get that. How come they're wanting to kill Mary for you know, being pregnant? I don't get this. All right? And so it's like, oh, so we're talking through this movie, trying to like, stop it, quiet, shh, just watch the movie. It doesn't work. And so we're watching the nativity, and... All this is going on, and then it gets to the scene um, where the angels show up and, and talk to the shepherds. And in the movie, uh, just one angel shows up and explains that Jesus is born and dis- disappears. And my son looks at me and he's like, Dad, where was the multitude of angels? Like, he literally says, multitude of angels. <laughs> and two things go to my head. The first one is this. We have a fantastic children's ministry downstairs. Like, and I say that jokingly, but I'm serious. Like, they are teaching the gospel to our kids. And if you don't have your kids in the children's ministry downstairs and to illuminate kids, I highly suggest that you get them in there learning scriptures. The second one is my son's a know-it-all. Like, he just, he's like, Dad, I don't know if I trust the validity of this movie. Uh, there was no multitude of angels when clearly there should be a multitude of angels. I was like, Cyrus, it's a budget thing. You know, you won't get it right now, but you'll get it someday. They didn't have the budget for the multitude. They can only afford the one. But this, 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 this conversation with my son got me thinking about this moment in the story of the birth of Christ. This moment of these angels showing up to announce Jesus' birth. And two things kind of popped in my head. The first one is it's so amazing that they showed up to shepherds. It's really amazing. Did you know that back then shepherds could not legally testify in court? They were not allowed to testify in court, not because they were just like lowly people, but because they couldn't be trusted. Shepherds were known for their lying and their deceit that they could not be trusted. These, so often we think about like the nativity scene as these shepherds as like lowly, pure of heart men, and that's why the angels came to him. But no, they were kind of deplorable people. They had not just gotten off of a two-hour Bible study and then these angels show up. They weren't making their way back from this amazing worship service at the temple. These were not upright, upstanding, righteous men. These were men who were just doing their job, doing their thing, and probably, honestly, God was about the last thing on their mind. That's such good news for us, isn't it? We don't have to be these upstanding, perfect, moral people for God to even speak to us, but let alone announce to the world, guys, everything is changing. History is being rewritten right now. And who gets to know? These shepherds, these guys that couldn't be trusted. It's just an amazing fact. And I'm like, that brings so much hope to my life that God can use me. And I don't have to be so holy and upstanding and righteous, but to be doing what God has called me to do doesn't take that. God can use us no matter what. And the other thing that dawned in my, in my mind is this, is that 
the message that these angels announce. Like Jesus is born, God comes to earth in flesh. And what is the first thing that is announced? Peace on earth, goodwill to to men. I love we just saying that, peace on earth. Where there was once no peace, there is now peace. Why? Because Jesus has shown up to earth. And what that really means and what that really looks like for us. I want to talk about that today. Today, I titled my message, Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. How do we live in this kingdom of peace? Paul says that God's kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. So how do we do that? How do we get there? Well, to get there, I think we got to start at the same place. We got to understand what peace really is. Because if if we don't have the proper understanding of peace, we're going to chase something that doesn't really exist. And we'll never have it because it's not really there. You see, the world's definition of peace and, and, and God's definition of peace, to be totally honest with you, they start out not completely that far apart. But then one just so significantly falls short of the other one. You see, in the world perspective of peace, it's like everything's going my way, right? Like I have peace when my family's happy, right? When my wife's happy, peace, right? Uh, When my kids are getting good grades in school, peace. You know, when my job's going well, when I'm making a decent income, bonus, when I have a good boss, like then I have peace in my life, right? That peace, the world's definition of peace is that peace is typically void of struggle, Void of difficulty, void of pain. As long as I'm healthy and moderately wealthy, I have peace in my life. And to be honest, of course, those times are peaceful for us. No one would ever say that they aren't. But the problem is, what we're going to find out today is that's all circumstantial. Our peace is based upon what's happening around us, not what's happening within us. See, God's peace I love what scripture says, the Hebrews, they say that the word for peace is shalom. And shalom, this word is so deep, it's so robust, it means it's not just a peace like everything is going well for you, but it's, it's a wholeness, it's a completeness. It is that you have peace within your soul, peace within your mind, peace within your body. That this kingdom of peace is not just a piece of circumstantial peace, but it's a completeness, a wholeness for you and to you. Peace on earth, wholeness now in the earth, completeness. Again, where the light shows up, it brings form, it brings purpose and completeness. You see, but to have peace in our lives, we need to understand this, that peace on earth begins with peace with God. Peace on earth begins with peace with God. You see, we can't have peace on earth without peace with God. Romans 3.23 says this. It's a very popular verse in the Bible. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Again, we talked a little bit about this last week, but that puts us all on the same playing field, does it not? No one in this room, no one in this city, this state, this country, this world, Human history has ever not sinned, all except for Jesus, of course, but aside from Jesus, no one's ever not sinned, and and the thing that we need to understand is we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. 
In other words, we've been born into this kingdom of darkness. It is our citizenship. See, that's why the Bible can state that all have sinned. All have sinned. You see, and, and, and the, the thing about that is the Romans continues to go on. And in chapter 6, it says that, that the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin, the price of sin is death. That when we have sin in our lives, we have death in our lives. And that is why, aside from God, we cannot have peace in our lives. And part of that death that we experience for having sin in our lives, part of that death that we experience is separation from God. That our sin separates us from God, and and God is the ultimate, not just giver of peace, but source of peace. And so when we're cut off from that source of peace, we can't truly experience it in our lives the way that, that, uh, that wholeness of that, that shalom peace that in our minds and our bodies and our souls. That's why Jesus came to earth. But when we have that death in us and over us, yes, we can experience maybe a moment of peace, but peace entire we cannot experience. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. I, I want us to get a, a good, I'm a visual learner, and so I, I want to explain this to you. And I've been watching Brian draw on the board. I thought, I want to draw on the board. That's pretty cool. So... And so let me explain it. Many of you guys have seen this before, but I, I hope we can look at this maybe in a new way where we haven't experienced it before. We're going to call this kingdom of darkness. And this is us. We're in the kingdom of darkness, so of course we are sad. That is us. So this is our citizenship. This is what we're born into. And then over here, we're going to say this is the kingdom of light. This is the kingdom that Jesus came to establish on earth. This is our citizenship. This is what we were born into. Now, let me ask you guys this. Does anybody know somebody or currently married to somebody who likes to, when you guys go out, they like to pretend that they're like British or Australian, right? Like the waiter comes up and they're like, I'll have a spot of tea, please. Two lumps of sugar. And you're just like, stop it. Like, no, you're not fooling anybody. Come on, in all honesty, who knows somebody or is that person who likes to do that when you go out? I think we've all done it before. I think we, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been in that place. We've all liked to pretend that we're from somewhere else with this awesome accent that we know we're fooling everybody with, but the reality is we're fooling nobody, right? So if that's you, just stop, stop. See, what we end up doing when we live over here We like to pretend like we're over here. This is the only way that we have to try to create peace in our life. Because you see, there is a huge gap right here. And this gap is uncrossable for us. And so us being citizens of this kingdom, not being able to have peace because we're separated from God, what we do is we pretend that we live over here. But how many of you guys know, just because you have a British accent doesn't actually make you a citizen of the UK, right? No matter how excellent, no matter how you perfect your accent, it doesn't actually make you a citizen of that country. You are still a citizen of the United States. And so by 
acting like you're from over here. It doesn't actually make you a citizen of the kingdom of light. And, and the way we do this is we say things like, all you need is love. Love is all you need, right? And we think that if we just could take away the things that make us go to war, if we could just be nice to everybody, then this will become this. Right? And like one of the most popular songs in history. Imagine, right? Imagine no heaven. Imagine no hell. Imagine no war. Imagine what it would be like if we could turn this into this. See, and when we do that, we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves and we think we're okay. And for a moment, maybe we are. But the truth is we are still separated from God. And we still have death in our lives and over us. And the world's answer for this gap is just to pretend, just to try to make this better. But the problem is this is still a kingdom of darkness and it is still ruled and reigned by our enemy. And he can even allow us to pretend like, yeah, we're in a kingdom of light. In fact, the scripture calls Satan an angel of light, right? But the truth is we are in darkness when we are in this kingdom no matter how much we try to make it like the other kingdom. You see, peace on earth begins with peace with God. And peace with God begins with faith in Christ. If you want to have peace with God, that begins with faith in Christ. And many of you guys have seen this before, but in case you haven't, we need to understand that this is the purpose Jesus came to earth this is how he establishes his kingdom, is that he is the only bridge. He is the only way to get into this kingdom of light, and that is through righteousness. That's why Paul says the kingdom of God is first a kingdom of righteousness, that it is through you being made perfect that you can enter into this kingdom of light. You see, imperfection cannot enter into this place. That's why God first had to make you perfect. And it doesn't mean you don't struggle in this world with sin, but it means that your spirit, your soul has been made perfect before God and now your fleshly body is just trying to catch up. And so it is only through faith in Jesus that we enter into this kingdom of light. You see, Romans 3.23, like I said, says the wages of, or 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but he goes on to say the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see, that again, it is the gift. It is that righteousness. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. You don't deserve it, but it is that gift. Jesus himself in John chapter 10 says, I have come to give you life and give it to you abundantly, give it to you fully, in other words, I've come to give you peace and joy in this life today. And that is why we can cross this is because of what he did. And this is where we need to be living in this kingdom of light. If we want peace in our lives, we have to stop trying to pretend that we're living over here when we're living over here and just making this place better. Because no matter how hard we try, we're never going to make this place better. But God has already established his kingdom that gives purpose and life to us. And so Romans, again, Romans 6.23, that God's gift is eternal life. You see, Romans 5.1, I love this. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through our faith, and justified through our faith means we have had righteousness put on us. Since we've been justified through our faith, we have, what? Peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. This is the only way to get peace with God. If you want to have peace in your life, it starts with peace between God and man. You have to have peace with God to have peace in your life. And if you want to have peace with God, it starts through faith in Jesus Christ. But we try so many ways to bridge this gap, don't we? Like We'll try anything and everything to bridge this gap. And, and for a moment... I want to talk to maybe those in the room who are struggling with the idea of Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus in your past, and man, things in life didn't go your way, and, and maybe you've walked away. What we call here at ACF, we, we call people like that de-churched. Like you've been to church, you're disappointed, a person disappointed you, or a situation disappointed you, and so maybe you've walked away. Or maybe you've never said yes to Jesus at all. And these people in this room, I want to talk to you for just a moment about how you typically and how we've done it in our lives too have tried to make peace in your life. And the way you do it, you see, you can't have peace in your life without peace with God. So what do you do? You try to be God in your life. We've all done this, right? Try to be our own God in of our own lives. But how many of you guys know we are terrible gods we, we make terrible gods. And so when we try to be the God of our own life, it just never quite works out. And the way we do this, how do we try to be gods of our own life? We, we do this by trying to control everything around us. We try to control all areas of our life. We think that peace in my life means peace with my family. So I try to control my family. You know, I got to make sure my kids have good grades. Got to control that. How's that working out for most of us? Right, controlling my kids' grades. Right. Well, if they're getting good grades, then I'll bring peace in my life. Right. And let's see here. Peace in my life means means I got my finances under wraps, at least you know, to a certain degree. And so we try to control our finances. And, and, and don't don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards of what God has given us. Of course, we want to be diligent to work on our finances, to be smart with our finances. But to think that we can control them. Man, and we do this by, you know, trying to show up to work on time and be a good worker and, and do a good job. And, you know, should I buy this? Can I afford the payment on that? And I'm not sure. And, oh, let's, you know, it's totally worth it. We should go buy it anyways. And, but, you know, I'll try to pay it off early. And we, we try to control our finances. But how many of you guys know we are not in control of our finances? We're not in control of the economy. I mean, think about us personally here in Eagle River. Like, if Jay Bear left tomorrow, you think that would put a dent on our finances? Can we control that? Of course not. You know, our health, we try to control our health, right? Man, I, I do this. You know, if I eat right, I work out, I don't eat too much of that, except at Christmas time, and I, you know, I, I do eat that, and I don't, and then I'll, you know, I'll live to be, you know, healthy, and I'll have a good long life. Man, I have a, I have a friend of mine, friend of our families, and uh, he's a doctor, and I just remember growing up, his, his kids were good friends with me, and, and he was, like, diligent, like, so strict. Like, sunlight never touched his skin. That boy was white, right? And, 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 you know, he'd be out, and we lived in a hot climate. It'd be 100, 110 degrees out in the summer, and he's out mowing his lawn. He's got the big brim hat on. He's got the long sleeves on. He's a doctor. He knows. He's, like, 55 years old. He looks like he's 25 years old, you know, one of those guys. And who's the one who ends up with melanoma, Right? can't control our health. Again, we can be good stewards with what God's given us, but control? You see, control is an illusion. 
Control is a complete illusion. And so when we try to be the gods of our life to bring peace into our life, what we're doing is we are putting our hope and our faith and our peace in an illusion. And that illusion can change tomorrow and everything changes with it when it does. And all of a sudden that peace that we once had is now gone because it's completely dependent on what our circumstances are. But that's not the peace of this kingdom that God has come to establish. He wants us to have a peace that can last no matter what is going on around us, no matter what our circumstances are. And so we don't want to have peace in an illusion. We want to have peace in the Savior, Jesus, who brings us into this kingdom of light. Have you made peace with God? In this room, think about that. Have you made peace with God through Jesus Christ? You see, so peace on earth begins with peace between God and man, and peace between God and man happens through faith in Jesus Christ, and peace with God sustained happens in submission to Jesus Christ. See, it starts with a faith in Jesus Christ, and then it's sustained through submission in Jesus Christ, because I know I've been there. Many Christians I talk to have been there. I want to talk to the Christians in the room now, where you're like, yes, I, I am, I've said yes to Jesus Mark 1.15, Jesus says, repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand. And you're like, Josh, I've repented, I believe, I'm part of this kingdom, but I don't have peace in my life right now. What am I doing wrong? What is going on? See, it, it, it continues through submission to Jesus Christ. I love this in Colossians 3.15. It's a simple way of submission. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I love that. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. See, there's an element of individual and there's an element of corporate in here. That individually, yes, we are supposed to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, then corporately, because we are of one body, we have all been called to peace, wholeness, complete peace with each other. And so I think there's a couple ways that we go about not submitting to Christ in this sense, not submitting and not allowing that peace of God to rule in our hearts. And of course, there's many ways that we can do that, you know, being in sin and those types of things. But a way that I think we do it, we're, where we think we're trying to do the right thing, but it doesn't necessarily work out that way. And so the first way I think that we try to, or the first way that peace doesn't rule in our lives, even though we've said yes to Jesus, is, is we begin to put our faith in the what instead of the who. We, we put our faith in the what instead of the who. In other words, it's like, yes, we've said yes to Jesus, and, and now it's about being righteous and holy and upright and doing all the right things and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of, we put our focus away from God, which where it once was, and back onto our own lives going, okay, God, thank you for bringing me over here. I got this now, right? Like, I got this. And we begin to focus on just acting a certain way or, or, or being a certain way instead of just focusing on who God is in our lives and allowing that to change us. Uh, let me explain to you in this way. Uh, several months ago, I started to realize in my life that I was using my walk with God as kind of like a means to an end. In other words, I wanted to be a better husband, which is a good thing. I wanted to be a better father. Of course, we all should. I wanted to be a better pastor. I wanted to be a better employee. 
I wanted to be a better employer. I have all these things in my life and I wanted to do better at it. So what do I do is I go and I spend time with God so that I can be a better husband. I go and spend time with God so that I can be a better father. And at first glance, you're like, well, yeah, that's, that's right. That's good. But the problem is, is I would go spend time with God or be in the word or pray or whatever it would be, not so I could be in the word and spend time with God and know my father better and allow the peace of God to reign in my heart, but so that now I can go and just be a better person. You see, and instead of spending time with God, with my father, to be closer to him, to know him, and allow that just to change me who I am. You see, if I'm doing that, the byproduct of that is that, of course, I will be a better father if I'm closer to my father in heaven. Of course, I'll be a better husband. You see, there's just a slight difference there. It's not spend time with God to be better on earth. It's spend time with God, know him more, know my father more. So that, yeah, I, I will be better at this, but I will know my father more. I was talking to someone who, who was helping me walk through this. They're like, just think if your son came to you and was like, Dad, I want to spend time with you because when I spend time with you, I do better in school. So, yeah, Dad, let's hang out so I can do better in school. Be like, man, that, that kind of stings a little. I just want to hang out with my son because I love him. You see, but we, we stop allowing the peace of God to reign in our heart, and we're like, okay, God, I got this. Okay, I got to be better now, so let's spend time, and, let's, and we don't allow God just to rule in our lives. We don't submit to Jesus. We just go, okay, I got it from here. So that's one way that we don't allow the peace of God to reign in our heart, and when we do that, all of a sudden, maybe things around us start to fall apart, and we're like, there's no peace in my life. Well, it's because you, you, you haven't submitted yourself to Christ. You've, you've walked out from underneath that. And the second way that we do this, the second way that we don't allow the peace of God to reign in our lives and we struggle with submitting to God is, is we, think, we think we can fix things, right? We think we can fix people. We start trying to fix everyone and everything around us. It's like, God, I, I got this. I can help you out. In fact, let me step into this situation, God. You know what? My, my, my brother-in-law's a mess. Let, let me take care of this. Let me fix him. Let me, let me fix my husband. Let me fix my wife. Now, I don't know if you have kids or not, but my daughter loves to help my wife in the kitchen. She loves to help her cook. She's six years old. My daughter cannot cook. She can barely pour a cup of flour into the mixing bowl without it getting everywhere else. Right, and my, my wife is so gracious. She loves to teach my daughter and help my daughter you know, learn how to cook in the kitchen, but it does nothing but make a mess. She is at no help to my wife in actually cooking and making anything. And that's what we do. We step into like God's kitchen. We're like, God, I got this. Let me fix the problem. And we just make up a, a giant mess. We just end up making a mess. And I'm not saying that God, of course, doesn't use us in people's lives and in situations. But what I'm saying is when we just step in and think, I can fix this. I, I've read enough Bible verses. I know enough things. I can fix your problems. What we end up doing is just creating more stress in our lives and walking out from that peace because we can't control anything. We've established that we have no control. I cannot control your reactions to what I feel like God's leading me to share with you. And if this, for the longest time, that was such a burden, such a struggle, such a place where I did not feel peace. This is something that pastors struggle with all over, all the time. Like, man, I work so hard to share this with you and then I speak it and you don't respond the way I think you should. And bad on me, right? 
bad on me. I should have prepared more. I should have said it a different way. And we, we walk through the same thing when we're trying to like reach a friend or reach a, a family member, fix their problems. Well, if you just do what I said, this wouldn't be happening right now. Again, I'm not talking about speaking wisdom and, and, and helping people out, but when we start carrying the burden, start thinking like, I can make all the difference in their life, it's up to me. That was a burden that I carried for so long, and then I realized one day, it's like, and it's not up to me. It is not up to me. I, I do what I'm called to do, to study, to prepare, and deliver, and then it's up to the Holy Spirit. If nobody changes, everyone leaves, and God doesn't speak to your heart, that's not my fault. That's on God, and, and that's such a relieving thing for me. That's not a burden anymore. That's, that's freeing. I can just walk in peace. How did the message go? I don't know. I felt like I did okay, or I felt like I bombed. It really doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit's the one who's speaking to your heart. It's not me. And when we can understand that in our lives, like, yeah, we, we speak to our family members. We speak to our friends, and we go, yeah, here's what Scripture says. Here's some wisdom. Here's what God has to say to you. And then we can go, man, it's up to God. And it's up to you to respond to God. That's so freeing for us. You see, church, we need to understand that we can have peace in our lives and it doesn't have to depend on our circumstances. David understood this greatly. He says, even though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, what? I will not fear evil. Why? Because God is with me. This kingdom, this light is with me. I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to fear what's happening around me. Does, does living in this kingdom mean that there's no more pain in my life? No, not right now. Does living in this kingdom mean that there's no more strife in my life? No, not right now. But just as the children of Israel had this hope of light to come for the first coming of Christ, we have a hope to come for the second coming of Christ where it will mean that one day. But today it means that we can still have peace in our hearts and our lives and it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. And I understand this. I walked through this with my wife when, when we found out my wife was pregnant so long ago and we're so excited with that joy and then found out later on that she had a miscarriage. In, in, in the lowest point of my life, that was the most difficult thing I've ever walked through. And, and to walk through that and to know that, man, there was a peace that surpassed all understanding. I can't explain it to you. I didn't even really ask for it. It was just there. And no matter what I was going through, there was an understanding that God had a deeper control and a deeper love for me and a deeper love for my family than I could ever explain or understand. And in that, there was a peace. And so this morning, I want us to just close with thinking about these two questions. First of all, we again remember that peace happens, peace comes Peace begins with peace with God. Peace on earth begins with peace with God. Peace with God begins with faith in Jesus. And peace with God is sustained through submission through Jesus. So to the two audiences in the room, those who have said yes to Jesus and those haven't, those who have not said yes to Jesus, my question is, have you made peace with God this morning, today? Have you made peace with God? And for those who have said yes to Jesus, my question to you is, are you at peace with God? Are you submitting to his authority, submitting to what does his authority mean? His authority is peace. Peace should reign in your heart. Have you submitted to that? Let's pray.
Jesus, man, we are so grateful. God, so grateful that you came to this earth to establish your kingdom, and that kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, that we stand rightly before you. God, your kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And Jesus, there's people in this room that need to experience that peace this morning. God, they're, they're, they're walking through pain. They're walking through strife. And they're saying, man, I don't see it. I don't understand it. God, if they've not, if they've not submitted to you, Jesus, I pray that they would discover that peace through peace with Jesus first. And they would stop pretending. Stop trying to make this kingdom of darkness a kingdom of light because it can never happen. God, stop trusting in the illusion, God, and start trusting in you. And Jesus, for those of us who have said yes to you, I pray that we would allow the peace of God to reign in our hearts, that we would submit to Jesus, submit to you. God, as we do that, we would experience peace in a deeper way than we've ever understood before. God, and I just pray for those who, who especially need that this morning, who are hurting who are in strife, God, that they would understand a peace that surpasses all understanding because they find themselves in submission to you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that this is a gift for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.